Heavenly Father, we thank you for the story of Zacchaeus. How you do the impossible and you save an apparently irredeemable man. Lord, we know this story, many of us so well from school and Sunday school. But I pray, Lord, that today you will teach it to us afresh. Lord, that you will speak to each one of us through the words of Luke and the story of Zacchaeus today. Amen. As we were singing that, I was thinking... Uh, if Zacchaeus was here this morning, he'd be singing those first two verses thinking, that's me, that's my story. Knowing you, there's nothing better. All that stuff that I invested my life in before I met him, I now count as loss. Let's have a look at this, uh, this interesting little man, Zacchaeus. Often he's kind of turned into a little kind of comedic figure, isn't he? He's, uh, he's the ultimate baddie because he's the tax man. Nobody likes the tax man. Um, and he's short and has to climb up a tree. So he's kind of a bit of a figure of fun. But I think Zacchaeus is a very serious man. And I think that uh, he's in Luke. He only appears in Luke and just ten little verses. But God's put him there because he's a very important figure. He teaches us a lot about God, a lot about salvation, and maybe a few things about us too. So Zacchaeus was a tax man, but not a tax man like we would know them, because actually there's nothing wrong with being a tax man in Britain. It's okay, it's good. It pays for the health service, it pays for everything else. But the tax man in Jericho, where, where Zacchaeus was, was a completely different figure. A common practice in industry these days is companies to try and cut costs they outsource services, so they get other companies to do stuff that they would otherwise do, but isn't really their expertise. Uh, and like many things, the Romans were there years before us, and they invented the concept of outsourcing. They outsourced the tax collection. So what they'd do is they'd find people who were prepared to collaborate with them. They would pay the tax to Rome, and then they were free to go and collect as much tax as they wanted from the people. So Zacchaeus was a seriously rich man because he had to fund the tax first before he collected it. So he was rich to start with. He was the chief tax collector. So we had all these other people going around extorting money off the people as well. And he kind of sat there in the middle counting his money. He was seriously rich. He was also incredibly unpopular because he was a collaborator. Not only was he stealing money effectively, but he'd put himself outside of his people. He'd rejected his background, his people, his neighbours, those he lived amongst, in order to pursue greater wealth. So if you imagine how a collaborator would have been seen perhaps in the Second World War, with loathed and despised, he was seen exactly as that, but he was worse than that in a way because he was robbing them too. What a lonely man he must have been. What a sacrifice to make in the pursuit of wealth. I imagine when Zacchaeus was born, there were all sorts of hopes for this little baby. Now these days, people like to choose names that are kind of are thrown at them by celebrities. Don't they? So there's, there's anyone called William or Harry, or uh, uh, maybe 15 years ago it had been Kylie and Jason, and, and maybe, ooh, I don't know, 40 years ago there might have been a few cliffs. <laughs> have we got any cliffs? 
but but so it's a little bit kind of that's okay i mean it's nice to have a name that you like and resonates with uh, with something good but in those days the name was really important because it said something about what they hoped this child was going to be and you can imagine his mother and father said, what should we call him what would we really like this boy to turn into and they called him Zacchaeus which meant the righteous the pure holy that was the mother's ambition for their child and look how he turned out he was none of the above and he was worse than that he turned his back on his people you imagine the family I mean I, I don't know, I'm speculating here so so you know accept this or not but you can imagine the family looking at Zacchaeus and he had just been an embarrassment worse than an embarrassment he'd have brought shame if he had any relatives alive at that time they'd probably pretend that they weren't related oh no no he's uh, no nothing to do with me or oh, he was the the son that went wrong he was the son that drifted off and pursued something else and turned his back on everything that his parents and his people valued most and we can do that too can't we we can start off with all those hopes all that investment of our parents our love teaching nurturing and somehow we don't know what happened to Zacchaeus to turn him from there to where he became but somehow life got a little bit screwed up and he pursued money instead of righteousness he pursued gain instead of God and to look at him I guess people would have thought he was irredeemable which says how when Jesus was talking to him people started grumbling didn't they how, how can he talk to that man that horrible man that man who we would want to have nothing to do with at all but Jesus goes to that man Jesus goes to the one people thought irredeemable that one who brought shame on his family and on his people Jesus amid this whole crowd seeks him out I wonder if, if maybe we have drifted or maybe we've got children that rather like Zacchaeus we had such hopes for and we taught them well and we loved them and we gave them the example and then they drifted and they've gone far out the camp well this story today tells us that if that's your child that God hasn't forgotten him God hasn't forgotten her he or she is not irredeemable he knows where they are he loves them still with the same love that he had before they were born and he seeks out the lost he seeks out the sinner he seeks out you and me but despite his wealth because uh, he had it all in a way I mean to the world you know if, if Zacchaeus was living now people probably in a way apart from the collaborator bit but if you think about his wealth he had everything he could want for in terms of money and he had his health because he could run along and climb trees and all that sort of stuff so he's a fit man healthy man intelligent man powerful man tick 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 but he was a lonely man 
and he knew that something was missing because he was prepared to put aside his dignity and trot along beside the crowd hoping they didn't see him they probably kicked out at him as he went but he was going to do that anyway he was going to risk that what's more he was going to climb up a tree which is a fairly silly thing to do for the chief tax collector there was something about Jesus he needed to hear he knew that despite all the things that he'd got and all the sacrifices he'd made of relationships and reputation and popularity he'd made actually he still hadn't made it he'd been to the mountaintop of what the world had to offer and lo so what Jesus was someone he had to hear now a sycamore tree is quite a big tree it's lots of branches quite easy to climb if you want to try it out yourself this afternoon find one give it a go see see what life looked like from Zacchaeus's point of view um, but I'm not sure how much he was visible because there's lots of leaves on a sycamore tree and I wonder in a way that he kind of wanted to he wanted to hear Jesus he'd like to hear him through the branches but he didn't particularly want to be that visible because Apart from anything else, the crowd might start throwing things at him. So there's an element of hiding in the tree as well as, as getting a bit of a, bit of a view. Um, we can be a little bit like that as well, can't we, sometimes? I know that there's some people that I've come across, not, not here, but in other places, who've, who've been in church for years. And in a way, they've been a bit like Zacchaeus hiding in the tree they, they want to be close to Jesus they want to find out what's going on they, they want to hear and sing these lovely songs but somehow somehow there's something between them and him somehow they feel they can't get down off the tree and come into the presence of Jesus and if that's you today I want you to hear those words of Jesus when he said come down I'm coming to your house today today salvation has come because the words of Jesus were urgent he wasn't hanging about Jesus was on a mission and he didn't have much time and he was walking through Jericho to fulfill a divine appointment with the most unpopular unlovely man in the entire town that's why he was there and Jesus didn't muck about either he said Zacchaeus come down I'm coming to your place now not tomorrow. I don't want you to read this, go away and think about it. Come back next week, we'll have a chat. I'm gone. So now, today's the day. Today I'm here. What are you going to do about it? How are you going to respond to me? And that teaches us something too, I think, about the urgency of sharing the gospel. God wants us to be bold. Maybe we don't wait for the right moment. Maybe the right moment's now. Jesus had an urgency about his message. And I can't imagine that Zacchaeus was a fantastic host because he wouldn't have been used to having people around for tea. Anyone who came around for tea would probably come in the back way and they'd probably be one of his mates who did the tax collecting because he didn't really have any other mates and they were only mates because he paid them. So all pretty lonely stuff. So I imagine what was on offer, I don't know, it's probably a, um, a Tesco's meal for one or something. <laughs> Probably Tesco's finest, of course. But nevertheless, Jesus wasn't there for a great meal. It won't be like the newcomer's evening, I'm afraid. <laughs> okay. But he wasn't there for that. He was there for one, one purpose and one person, to bring salvation to that lost and lonely man. 
And Zacchaeus's response was just like the words of what we sang, wasn't it? In the presence of Jesus, what have I been doing? You can imagine, what have I been doing? All that stuff I gave up, all that money I got, and I'm outside of my people, I'm outside of my family, and I don't even feel that good about it. And we can be seduced by that as well, can't we? I can remember when we first moved to Northleach and, uh, you know, I was sort of climbing the ladder and uh, got this big house. And I can remember, it's terrible, it's to, my own, it's to my shame, but I do remember feeling it. I stood outside this house and I looked up. <laughs> oh, dear. And I thought, wow, oh, this is bigger than my parents' house. <laughs> ah, Yes. <laughs> Yes, and so is my mortgage, bigger than my parents' mortgage. <laughs> it didn't matter, and it doesn't matter, not really. And it certainly didn't matter to Zechariah. You imagine the sacrifice that he'd made to accumulate all this. This is, not, this is not a casual surrender of his wealth. This is not, oh yeah, yeah, okay, I'll keep, I'll keep some and, and, and give you some juice. This is, this is a turnaround. This is what repentance is. This is turning around and facing the other way in response to Jesus' love. Because he'd invested everything in this. And now, nothing. And he knew his Bible. He, he said he'd repay the people fourfold what he'd stolen, which is in Exodus 22, verse 1. He knew the price. He knew he was a thief. He knew he was undone in front of Jesus. So I wonder this morning if you can identify with maybe a little bit of Zacharias, Zacchaeus, or Zacharias. And maybe you've been the person in the tree. Maybe you've been in the tree for years, looking on and thinking, yeah, but it's, it's not. It's not for me. Or, or can, I, can I really let go of that? I know Jesus wants me to follow him, but he's asking me to leave this thing that I love. Or I can't stop doing whatever it is. There's a piece of, a piece of my life that I'm not prepared to surrender. And yet you want to hear him and you want to see him. Well, Jesus says, come down from the tree. Your choice, not his. Come down from the tree. Let me embrace you. Let me show you this new life, which counts for everything versus anything you've ever gained or ever done. That's made you who you are. Now let me remake you into the person that I intended you to be. And, and one of the lovely things there, you know, is that Zacchaeus was restored. Jesus says, um, uh, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Zacchaeus had placed himself outside of his people. He turned his back on his people. He betrayed his people. And Jesus said, no, not only are you saved, not only are you loved, but you're restored. I'm putting you back. You're now one of my people. You're the person you were meant to be. Now go and live it. 
We've got uh, people who will pray with you this morning if you feel that that speaks to you. If you feel that Jesus is saying to you today, come down and let me put my life within you. And they'd love to pray with you. But listen to the urgency in Jesus' words. I'm coming to your house today. I want to meet with you today. I want to change your life today. I'm going to come and live in you. And all that guilt, those regrets, that running around trying to please other people and failing, and all that distance between you and me, we can change it today. Let's pray for a moment. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you love us. No matter how unlovely we may think we are, or we actually are, but you never abandon us. You never let go of our hand, you never give up. And Lord, we think of our children who may be all over the country in different things in their lives, and we thank you that they too are loved and wanted by you. And I pray that today salvation will come in the lives of those who don't know you. That people will come down from the tree and meet with you and be changed. Amen.